This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. October is, among many other things, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And while that's largely a made-up observance, that doesn't mean the underlying thought behind it should be ignored. Here's a refresher on how to better protect yourself. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to share some cybersecurity wisdom is our senior security reporter, Bree Fowler. Welcome, Bree. Thanks for having me. So more than ever, we we need a cybersecurity awareness month, or really we should need a cybersecurity year, because this should be something we're thinking about all the time. Uh, to give our listeners a bit of context, I don't know if you can give me a sense of how bad things are from a cybersecurity front and how badly we need better practices. Well, I mean, the thing is, cyber criminals have gotten both more sophisticated and just busier. Uh, the attacks are more believable, whether they're phishing or, you know, um, just things coming at your devices. Um, and, and there are a lot more of them than there used to be. All right, so let's let's dig into some good habits to form. The the first point you made in your story uh, is on passwords, which is an obvious one. But how do we get better at creating stronger, more effective passwords? Well, passwords have been around since the dawn of time, and I think they've probably frustrated people for about that long too. Um, the thing with passwords is they need to be hard to remember, and that's that's the big challenge in them. We're talking at least fifteen characters. Um, random combinations, uh, what the words you actually use don't matter so much. You could have a, a past phrase of a couple unrelated words tied together. It really doesn't matter, but whatever you do, don't, don't recycle them. Don't use the same password, no matter how good it is for more than one account. Yeah. And that, that's great advice. But I think for a lot of folks, you know, I think recycling passwords is probably a common practice and because folks are don't have time or don't want to remember different ones. What's a good workaround for that? You know, the easiest thing to do is to sign up for a password manager. They just make everything so much easier. Um, that way you only have one credential to actually remember. Everything else is just stored safely and, and neatly organized for your use. Right. And that's, we, we have long recommended password managers. Are there any specifically that you would re recommend? Uh, you know, basically it, it's whatever um, you feel comfortable using. Uh, paid services generally work better because they um, will are more likely to work across your devices. But you know what? Using the, the ones built into your browser, that that's fine too. Just don't expect all the bells and whistles that you would get with a paid service. Uh, so the, the next step is two-factor authentication, which I know a lot of people still don't use or even know what it is. So if you could just, before we get into it, why don't you break down what two-factor authentication really is? Sure. Um, Two-factor uh, does what it says. It, it adds a second factor in addition to your password for, to your login. Um, it could be a biometric like a facial scan or a fingerprint. It could be something like a physical key that you stick into your computer or um, a code that gets 
sent your phone through an app or a push notification. Basically, it's a little bit of insurance that if your password is compromised, um, the person who has that password still won't be able to get into your account. And, you know, 99% of the time, experts say this will prevent um, an attacker from getting into your accounts. Right. So if there's one measure you should take, it's it's definitely this one. And and as you know, there, there are a number of different forms for how two-factor authentication can work. You know, for an average user, you know, not someone who's got state secrets or anything, like what what is sort of the most practical or has the best mix of both security and, and practical ease? Well, security experts say that the best multi-factor for you is the one that you're going to use. Um, you know, it, it's worth trying out different options. Um, you know, it, two factor is, is such a hard sell with people because it can be cumbersome. It can slow you down. I mean, I can't, uh, my mom just trying to get her to turn it on with her, with her social media accounts was, was like pulling teeth, but, um, you know, I, I like push notifications. I like physical keys for the really important stuff. Um, you know, it, it's really up to you. The only thing that I would stay away from would be SMS codes that get texted to your phone. They have been shown. I mean, and it's very rare and very remote that this, this would actually happen to you, but it could be compromised. Um, if someone did get a hold of your phone number. Right. Right. That I know that that's a big red flag. Uh, unfortunately, I know that for, for a lot of folks that that tends to be the most common choice made for two-factor authentication, right, is using your cell phone number because there's, you know, the idea that it's convenient because it's it's your phone and it's right there, right? Right. I mean, um, you always have your phone. So why not set up a Google Authenticator app or, you know, the push notifications that can come or, you know, if you have multiple devices, usually uh, you can approve a login through another device, whether you have, you know, iPhones or Android or what have you. The only problem is, is I've had those come to phones that I never, uh, that I don't have anymore. So that <laughs> problems in the past as, as someone who's had a lot of phones at my disposal in the past. Definitely. I've, I've had, I've had that problem as well. I've to dig up older phones, charge them up just to get that notification working. Mm -hmm. Uh the, the the last one you have really is is very pressing. Is is not using social networks or social networks to log in different services, as the outage, the Facebook outage from this past week or earlier this week, made very clear like why that's a bad idea, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it definitely made it difficult for people to get into services that they had tied to their Facebook account, um, and other social media too that that might use the same login. But, you know, the bigger problem is that there is a security and privacy trade-off with using social media accounts, especially as uh, single sign-ons. Um, Facebook loves to collect data. That's how they make money. They can collect the data of that app or site that you're logging into. Um, and the, the reverse is also true. That app or site could request your Facebook information. Now, usually you have an opportunity to say no um, to things like they may want your contacts or your friends list or, or you know, your personal information about who you are and where you live. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just click through this stuff without even thinking about it. The, the prime example, obviously, is Facebook. And, you know, the outage definitely showed some weaknesses there. But I'm curious what you think about, you know, 
Google, because Google makes it really easy to log in using its ID. Is that the same problem? And and potentially a, a more complicated answer or question is what about Apple? Because Apple has its own sign-in with Apple feature and it's supposed to tout you know more privacy. Do those kind of fall into the same bucket for you in terms of uh, them being problematic? Well, Google does to an extent. Um, Google also is all about collecting data. That's why it it has a monster search engine. Um, It's going to pull everything it can from those those apps that you're um, logging into. Now, it may not be as eager to give up that data as, as Facebook, though. Um, Apple is a completely different story because Apple, at least as far as what they say they're doing, their privacy policies and user agreements are much different than Facebook and Google. They don't share data with third party companies Um, and and they have taken steps to protect your data. Using Apple as a single sign-on, you know, for a lot of people is going to make a lot of sense. The only problem is we haven't seen it adopted as much as the other two services. I, you know, there's a handful of apps that I use where I've seen it start to pop up. Um, you know, there, there's really nothing wrong that I've seen with using this service. Um, but, uh, you know, and down the road, Apple has said that it's going to require that apps in its app store that allow uh, Google and Facebook sign on, that they're gonna have to also add Apple to the list as well. Right, right. Well, lots to consider. Hopefully folks listen and take your advice. Bree, thank you for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. 